Blog Talk Radio. Are you on? Yes. Hey, how are you? Good. <laughs> All right. Good. 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 Okay. Um. So, Miss Newby, I have uh, I have a um, I have Mr. T. L. Holmes uh, on the line. Um, that's on. Um, this guy is amazing. A great motivational speaker uh, all around the world. Um, 
you know, just kind of many other things. Um, so um, he has some on line as well. I have also uh, Chris Grant. Uh, this guy is also amazing. Reality TV star, comedian, educator. Um, so, um, uh, guys, you still there? I'm here. Yes, I am. Okay, so I have New. I have uh, I have uh, Alicia Green, um, uh, mental health professional, life coach, uh, also a radio personality in her own right. She's uh, also a part of the panel today, man. So I, 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 um, I think you all got taking time out on your, of your busy lives to come and um, uh, talk with me today uh, on these uh, various topics that I'm going to take basis on today. So um, I'm going to basically um, start um, with. You know, for the uh, George Floyd situation, and you know, and move forward. So um, again, the George Floyd situation. Um, we he was buried. Maybe I guess we would say maybe not even a good week. And then you have the or Sharp Brooks um, situation that just recently happened. And then you have the guys that were uh, hung. And I believe in it was a Santa Monica somewhere in California. And then you, uh, I was watching the news this morning where the lady said uh, a white. Lady said, uh, "Black lives matter, but slavery is soon to return." So, I mean, it's it's, and then you have Jamal Floyd recently, who a young man who um, died in the hospital from being pepper sprayed by the police by uh, several police officers in uh, Brooklyn, New York, um, at a peaceful protest. So just at this protest, this after the police just you know had nothing about the um, pepper spray them. So. Um, uh, Chris, if I could start with you, man. Um, what are your thoughts on this, man? And you know, um, I mean, it's it's no different now than it was hundreds, not even hundreds, forty years, fifty years ago. It's just a matter of everyone having access to information now. You know, um, we're coming up on uh, Juneteenth tomorrow. And, you know, Juneteenth celebrates the announcement of the federal order that was signed two years prior to an actual announcement made in Galveston, Texas, to let slaves know that they have been legally free for two years. Like, all this time, you had no idea that you were illegally enslaved. And I feel like everything that's been taking place up until the last couple of weeks, starting with George Floyd's death, has been the Juneteenth of 2020. Like, like you finally have realized, dude, I'm being enslaved and slaughtered. And it's now at a point where I am going to tear some shit up until you guys get it right. And I don't blame anyone who's angry. All right? And, and I think that this is an awakening it's a reckoning, and people will have to deal with this, and they'll have to make systemic changes. I'm not going to blame police for what's happening in this country because the police is the smallest pawn of this entire system that is perpetuating what we are living through right now. It is the way the Constitution is set up to protect certain people from other people and to protect the interests of certain people from other people's interests. That must be redefined and amended in order for us to decrease the amount of police presence that is in our neighborhoods, which is causing them to treat certain people in certain neighborhoods as animals or any kind of caged beast, if you will. And quite frankly, it's at a point where, okay, you want to treat us like a caged beast? We're going to let this bitch out. 
All right. All right. Chris, Chris, hold hold on one second. I'm gonna bring um Anita Pierce on. She's my uh she's uh, she's my cousin, but she's a, 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 a amazing individual. Um. Uh, a public advocate for uh, Brownsville, New York. She's the uh, owner of, I believe, let me, let me get this correct, uh, 11375. Uh, Lenita, you're on? Hi, good evening. Are How are you? Good, good. good. Um, I'm going to introduce you to the panel. Um, I know we have some more coming up, but we have Chris, Gat- um, Chris Grant, a reality TV star, a comedian, educator, who was uh, recently was speaking momentarily. Um, we have um, T.L. Holmes, a great motivational speaker. We have uh, Miss Nubian, uh, Alicia, I'm sorry, Alicia Green, who is also a um, motivational speaker herself, uh, a life coach, uh, mental health professional. Um, so um, I'll give everybody a chance to speak in one second. Um, Chris, you want to continue where you left off, man? No, I, I mean, I, I, I finished the, the, the surface of, of the thought. I'll, I'll open up the floor. I don't want to. Going around because okay. I done wrote four okay. essays already. I can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Holmes, uh, you want to give your thoughts on um, what I mentioned, or? Well, yes. Um, people have to understand that we're not our ancestors, and you know, I, I think that they're getting a good taste of um, of 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 that right now. Um, you know, our ancestors, unfortunately, were kept in the dark. Um, they was they was uneducated um, for the most part, and they was kept from education. Um, so, well, we are educated now. We, we we know how to spell. We know how to write. We know how to talk. We have our own businesses. We have, you know, we own our own homes. We own cars. We know how to go to school. We are actually running schools. We are principals. We are deans. Um, we are owners of schools, um, so it's a it's a different it's it's a different coin. Um, and the problem is you know, when you have a lid on a pressure cooker, at some point pressure is going to explode. Um, okay. Unfortunately, you know we we are dealing with um, you know the the repercussions of that. Um, and you know what I want to say is that you know we have to um, stand in our power. When I say stand in our power, um, meaning not to be overrun by our emotions, but be overrun by by our intellect. Um, there there are ways that we um, affect change, uh, and then there are ways that we affect being heard. Um, so I think we have made our point, or we're making our point by being heard. And I think the turn that we make now is how do we um, let our voice um, become more than noise. And I think the way that we, 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 we have our voice become more than noise is we start using our hands. Um, we use our hands to write laws. We use our hands to pin um, um, changes in, you know, in, our, in our democracy. Um, we, we, we use our hands to, to, to vote. Um, you know, a lot. I know a lot of people say, "Well, they vote don't count." Well, we see what happened when our vote didn't count because we didn't vote. Um, so I think that we should at least do something different. You cannot expect anything different to happen if you do the same thing. Right. I'm gonna. Um, okay. Just hold on, hold on one second, Miss uh, Alicia. Um, uh, as I'm from uh, from all what's going on now, from a, a mental health 
uh, perspective. What are your thoughts on this? And um, what are your um, advice? You know, your thought uh, comments to those who are suffering mentally from this, um, who has ended up, who has never uh, went to a psychiatrist or went to a therapist. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, and, and you know, on how to handle all this? Because it's a, it's a, it's consistently now. Yeah, um, you know, one of the one of the worst positions to be in as a mental health professional is when you need the mental health while you are assessing the mental health. Um, and what I mean by that is that it, it's just it's been overwhelming. It's been very, very overwhelming week after week. Um things that don't even, you know, come to light. Um, there is a different video every day, every day that puts you in a perspective of, is this a racist situation? Did this person actually kill themselves, you know? Um, And it's just just been really, really overwhelming. Um, And I had a client um, on the life coach part, um, and I also service her as well as mental health as well, um, that called me, and she was just overwhelmed. And, 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 and just the amount of emotions that she was overwhelmed with, you would think that, you know, every person that had been killed the, as a result of this race war that's going on, um, that they are actually related to her. So it's impacting, you know, the mental health community very, very hard, and it is also taking a toll on those that are trying to render to um, bring some type of comfort and understanding to those that are suffering with those mental health disabilities. So I, I, told, I told them all the time, you know, just like, you know, what um, Mr. Holmes just said, you, you got to use your voice. You got to use your voice. You got to make sure that you're getting out there and, and you make sure you're voting with your voice. You can do that. And um, just really trying to keep everybody in line so that they won't, you know, do something other than vote because we're angry, we're upset. They're killing us every day, every chance they get. And and when I see, you know, the videos happening, and it took me a while to watch the George Floyd because I have a husband, I have three sons, grandsons, so eight grandsons that are under the age of 10. So my worry level is already there. You know, right. that something may happen. So I just tell everybody, just make sure you are extra careful while you're out here because they are killing us. And make sure that you use your voice, um, just as Mr. Holmes said. Right. Um, Anita, are you still there? I'm still here. Okay. So I want you to just get, okay, in your opinion, your thoughts and concerns uh, on the other topic. So um, good evening, everyone. Um, I will start by saying that I um, personally do not and have made a choice not to um, expose myself to additional trauma by watching any of the videos that are circulating on uh, social media, um, on the news, et cetera, because one of the things that I recognize that, you know, what we see um, can definitely have an impact to our spirit, our being, and our attitude. Um, so, I, so while I am watching still pictures, um, which tell the story, and we all know how a number of these stories have, unfortunately, important for me, 
um, and transferring and not transferring, um, you know, generational trauma to my child, um, that I choose not to um, expose myself to what's happening. Now, that does not mean that I'm not aware, that I'm not a conscious, that I'm not conscious, um, because I am an avid reader, um, and so I make sure that I stay in tune um, as to what's current by making sure that I read instead of you know, consistently um, exposing myself to, um, you know, the trauma that is out there. Um, I agree um, and echo all of the additional sentiments that um, have been, um, you know, spoken. And I also want to add the importance of, you know, completing the census. Um, You know, oftentimes within our community, um, we think that um, voting is not important, important, um, but also completing the census um, and making sure that we do our um, due diligence, and especially in this pandemic, especially, you know, being that there are so many mixed messages that are um, being spoken to our community, that we, you know, at least lend a hand to, to be sure that our communities are counted. I happen to, you know, be born and, and raised from Brownsville, Brooklyn, um, you know, there are so many negative narratives that are spoken um, from that particular community. Um, but the the beauty that I see um, in changing some of the narrative that does exist within our communities is making sure that we truly support each other, um, especially in this in time of need. So, you know, I think about all of the um, the new hashtags that are coming out. Um, and I think about all of the businesses that are now um, creating these narratives or, or putting out these statements that, you know, we are all, um, we matter. And, you know, for some, um, you know, particularly as we have, you know, our private conversations, you know, it's often for me, it's, and particularly if, if it's true, especially if we see these statements that, you know, um, you know, some of the big brand organizations that are, you know, putting out these statements that, you know, Black Lives Matter and all these other things. But for me, um, and even within my, my circles, the question is, are those statements really genuine? And how do we hold um, not only these corporations and the government and our elected officials accountable, but how do we hold ourselves accountable as well to be able to support each other, really and truly support each other? So, you know, when I think about how I can do my part, um, you know, I'm on a weekly broadcast um, for specifically um, targeted for residents in Brownsville every week. You know, since this pandemic, one of the things that I've been talking about is the importance of the census um, to make sure that we are voting um, in this upcoming primary, which is on June the 23rd in New York. Um, The other thing that I I talk about is, you know, just making sure that you check in, you know, do basic things like checking on your neighbors. Are you supporting the black businesses that are within your community or are you, you know, a part of the issue of damaging, you know, the area in which you do live and which you do have to go back to? Um, You know, so I make it uh, a personal goal for me, you know, on a a weekly and daily basis to see how I can be supportive um, to our community and not just giving lip service, um, but also making sure I hold myself accountable 
make sure that we are holding our elected officials accountable and also these um, companies in which we spend our dollar. We have, them hold, we have to hold them accountable as well. If I could bring up this issue here, I know we have the George Floyds, the Eric Gardners um, that have uh, made um, the worldwide news, but there are small issues that um, happen in our uh, urban neighborhoods that um, that did not ever reach the media that are, are even bigger than the George Floyds matters. You know, so um, we have to also uh, – we also have to also look into those areas as well because – those areas, some people, they get away with that every single day. Like, they kill an individual, and they get away with every single day. But there's people like George Floyd matters there because everybody knows about it. They get so much spotlight that we know about it. But there are small little things in urban that never get the spotlight that um, that we also need to focus on. Uh, Chris, you still there? I'm still here. Chris. Um, I uh, just to uh, speak about. I know um, you at some point you are also an educator. Besides the uh, hold on one second, let me get Andre. We have uh, uh, we have Andre Bellows on the line. Uh, he's from the hit uh, Fox TV series uh, Empire. Hey Andre, you there? Hey, how's it going? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Good, no problem, man. This is we have Andre Bellows on the line from uh, the hit Fox TV series Empire. He's on the show. He's also going to be speaking about you know his thoughts. Uh, on the No Justice, No Peace panel and, um, you know, the topics that we have going on. Um, Chris, if, um, uh, Andre, hold on one, one second for me. Uh, Chris, um, I know um, you were all, you were also an educator, and you experienced some uh, form of racism. Um, you want to tell us a little about um, the Peace Social actually what happened? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I was working in Yonkers Public Schools, and they, uh, a student of mine gave me a poster that they made of the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense point plan. I thought that was phenomenal considering I was teaching special ed and they were eighth graders. I took the poster, I hung it up on the bulletin board, and I was proud. And I was like, yeah, those are my kids. I don't care how bad they are, those are my kids and they know what's happening. Not even not even three o'clock came and that poster was torn off of my bulletin board. Right? I'm asking my co-teachers, on, I'm asking my co-workers in the next room, I'm like, did you guys remove or see anyone remove the poster that was on my bulletin board? They said no. I went to the principal and I said, look, someone removed something from a bulletin board that a student made for me. And I was wondering if we could go through the tapes to check it out. The principal literally looks me in the face and tells me I took it off because I don't want anything that has guns on it. I said, but the Black Panther Party is a historical part of American history, and it was something that was created by a student. She said, I don't care. I don't want anything with guns on it. And she said, you can try to use the Patrick Henry argument if you want to or the George Washington down in Delaware, but I don't want guns. I said, let's see what kind of party this is. Long story short, two months later, I received a, a, a termination letter because I told a kid to write, I won't break the rules a hundred times, and in my termination letter they cited poor classroom management despite the fact that I had glowing uh, classroom management skills on all my observations signed and observed by my assistant principal. So I went and took it up to the union. The union couldn't do anything for me. I took it up to the EEOC. And when I got to the EEOC, that's when I realized that the system is only designed to protect a certain few and a certain few's interests. I was told that I had to prove that I was treated differently than my coworkers based on my race because I was filing uh, for discrimination. However, my coworkers were very white. 
So there's no way that you could gauge two people of differing races being treated differently on the sole basis of race if they're white as hell and I'm black as hell, even though I got treated, uh, I got fired for something that was contrary to what was on my um, observations. Now, listening to that, I can hear you thinking, I don't understand what you just said. That's exactly how it was formed in the EEOC statement, and that is exactly why it was unable to be carried out into court by the EEOC. Um, So with all that being said, that principal actually ended up being removed from that school at the end of that year. And as you all may know or may not know, Yonkers is notorious for, like, really bad corruption. And on top of that, it is one of uh, the most defunct school districts in the country, but one of the highest paying at the same time. I mean, like, they just give money away, and the kids barely get the resources they need. And it's mostly black and Hispanic. Wow. So, this, I mean, so this, I mean, you experiencing that type of racism, man. Uh, how did you feel about it, man? And how did you deal with it, man? And did it affect you uh, mentally at some point? Uh, how did it, how did it affect you? Remember when Richard was being questioned by the police, and they kept asking him over and over, "Is it true right. that right. you are a little too intoxicated, and that you may?" And he kept telling him, like he was drunk, but he wasn't stupid. He's like, "I'm not going to sit here and and, and, and admit to something that's going to incriminate me, and you're not going to take me right. to jail for falling asleep in my car." And so. Right. As you can see him sobering up and becoming more irate because they keep messing with him, he gets frustrated. And as soon as they try to cuff him, I can imagine all his buzz went away. He said, y'all not killing me today. Yeah. And he fought back. That's how I felt. Frustrated. I was ready to physically fight back. Burn the school down. The issue was was they tried to arrest him and didn't tell him he was arrested. They just put handcuffs on them and did not say one time you've been arrested for X, Y, and Z. You see that? And that's that's where that's where we have an issue. There is there is a poor line of communication between uh, quote unquote law enforcement and civilians quote unquote. Uh, last time right. I said law enforcement is also are also civilians, so they should be held to a standard of communication the same way quote-unquote civilians are held to a, 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 a standard of communication. And exactly. We see over and over that we don't have, they don't have that. And I'm not going Here's, to blame them. I'm going to blame the establishments that employ these people because they're not putting up strict enough measures to make sure that they're qualifying, qualified individuals. Right. Here's my thing. Um, there are, in my opinion, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of law enforcement, but there are no good cops. And I say that because if you can stand by and watch an a, a officer beat someone and without grabbing them or any interfering and stopping it, then you're just as guilty as that officer that committed that crime. Oh, that yeah. is my. I'm with you all the way. You know, you can I mean, so there are no good cops. I mean, I don't care what you do in the cities. You do raise money. You do activities with the children. Take pictures. That doesn't please me at all. That that's not enough for me. That doesn't please me at all. That does not make you a good cop. So, I mean, you know who's a good cop? They, Chris Dorner was a good cop. Y'all remember Chris Dorner, right? 
the dude who shot up the entire LAPD and then got blown up in the mountains of Big Bear Mountain, California? I'm not sure Y'all don't I'm, remember I'm, I'm Chris? Sure I'm not sure I remember. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, man. So Chris Dorner was an LAPD cop who um, mm-hmm. reported uh, some misconduct by his white partner, a female, mm-hmm. and the LAPD fired him for it, and they wouldn't reinstate him even though he, he went to court and filed all the paperwork appropriately. And when he got tired and fed up at the fact that no one would hear his pleas, even though he did the right thing, he went on a rampage and wrote a manifesto and said, I'm waging war on the LAPD. And he killed a bunch of cops, killed their family members, and then he made them chase him up into the mountains, and, and they, they they blew him up. I don't remember and he did that, the right thing. He reported something that was wrong, and they hung him for it. Not literally, but you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think it's a bad set of circumstances because you know we all know two wrongs will make a right. However, I think it's our responsibility to to position ourselves to not just make change but be the change. You know, um, I think it starts with you know how we are training um, individuals, the education we're giving them, um, the 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 resources we're giving them. You know, because, again, cops are on, you know, they, they go through a lot. They go through a lot mentally. They go through a lot, you know, emotionally. Um, and they, they, are, they are faced with, you know, so many um, different, you know, set of circumstances that the normal person in a normal life is not. However, I think it's our responsibility as, as, as well, their responsibility as, as their employers, um, the state, the government, um, to make sure that, that cops have, the, number one, the right training, number two, counseling, you know, because you can't right. walk around with all this animosity built up in you because you're going to explode, just like we're right. exploding. And so right. I think that, you know, it starts, it starts at, the very, at the very root. Um, and I think the, the, you know, systemic, you know, situation or the pressure points that we're seeing, it, it, it starts at the root. And I think we, right. if we don't address the root, we'll never, we'll never heal the wound. Um, all we can do is cover the wound up, and that does nobody no good because all you need is one incident to remove that cover or remove that Band-Aid, and then you're back at square one. Right. Um, Andre, uh, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, give your, let's give your uh, – what are your thoughts on the topic that we're discussing today, Matt? Yeah, you know, I, I just first and foremost want to thank you guys for allowing me to uh, be on the call and listen in on the call. And um, it's definitely giving me uh, a great insight and definitely educating me on just ways of being a better ally. A little background on myself, I'm mixed. I'm half Greek and I'm half Spanish. But most people would not know I was Spanish just by looking at me. So I really saw um, white privilege growing up um, and it was extremely unfortunate seeing other people being treated differently for no apparent reason. So just being able to listen to everyone's stories and educate myself and be a better ally um, is definitely helping me in my life. So I thank you guys. And as far as the topic at hand, I just echo what everyone else has been saying. I think that we have um, a, a systematic um, problem with racism, not only within the country, but um, more deeply in, um, in, in the police departments. 
And, and, and if there's one thing I could change, it definitely would be that. But I, I definitely think that uh, some de-escalation training needs to be put into play. And um, these cops need to be held accountable. That is what we're seeing because everyone has a camera now. Um, what is going on has been going on for a, a long, long time. It's just now being filmed. And I think uh, Will Smith said that uh, famously. So I just echo what everybody's saying and grateful to be able to um, listen in on the conversation. And um, I definitely think that uh, officers who are racist do not deserve um, a place um, uh, in law enforcement. It's just too dangerous. Right. Um, if, if I could touch, if I could, um, um, Anita and uh, Mr. Holmes and, and Ms. and uh, Alicia, um, are, are who are parents uh, uh, um, and uh, grandparents of uh, small children. Um, so I'm going to start off with this, uh, an actual thing that happened. So I had my nephews and nieces in the park. And so uh, I happened to be a white guy uh, behind us, and uh, it was a Spanish couple behind us as well. So just the white guy sneezed. So my nephew goes, oh, my God, you have coronavirus. Oh, my God. Um, so the, the, the guy just got up, and he just left. And, um, I, I mean, it, it was so sudden. All I could do was, like, wow. So, I mean, it, and he only goes by what he – and this is not just – um, from the news that he's seen, it was, it, it's on the cartoons to uh, keep safe, you know, where I'm at. This is on the cartoons that he watches, this he's getting the information from. So, I mean, uh, uh, um, and if I can start with you, man, as, as a mother of a young child, um, what are your thoughts on that? And, and you know, how do you uh, raise your child to, you know, the right way to say, you know, listen, this is, this is wrong, even though you see this is not the right way? So, again, um, I, I try. My my goal as a parent is, is is to first try not to transfer any of you know my traumatic experiences that I've grown up with onto my child. Um, mm-hmm. So when I think about um, you know essentially what I am exposing her to, um, mm-hmm. you know it's it's it, it's about conditioning and transitioning information and fear to her, which I don't want to do. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it has been an experience um, while we're do, while we we have been in this pandemic that we have, you know, additional responsibilities now to be if we were not already, um, you know, homeschooling our children in addition to, you know, trying to figure out how we are going to, um, you know, manage um, our child's overall well being because, you know, like it or not, as a parent, um, you know, our children are, you know, they, they mirror and they feel and they experience, you know, what we expose them to. So, you know, for me, how I am raising, you know, my daughter um, is that, you know, I try to minimize, you know, what she is exposed to. Like, that is my responsibility. I don't put that, you know, on, on anyone else's back except what I'm to do. So as it relates to this virus, like, she knows that, you know, if we are, going out, um, you know, that we have to wear a mask is for safety of ourselves and others. Um, I try not to scare her, um, you know, with, you know, what's been happening with this virus because, you know, I'm already, you know, there's a lot that we don't know about it. So I, I just aim to try to minimize, 
you know, what I am exposing her to. And so, you know, that's what I do in terms of my parenting. I don't, um, you know, deny her. Like if she asks me questions about it, you know, I tell her the truth. But, you know, on a day-to-day, you know, what we have in our household, we're not running TV, we're not, you know, on, um, you know, the iPad, et cetera. It is, you know, I, I really try to minimize that because, we are in a time where there's high anxiety, high stress. So my goal to try to, you know, to try to minimize it transitioning to her um, is to limit what's being exposed to. And that is what has helped me, you know, to kind of minimize some of the, the, the excess that we, that, that's out there um, in my household. All right. Um, Miss uh, Alicia? Yes. So I want your thoughts on um, my 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 statement I just you know made um, you know as a, a mother of two black men, uh, a grandmother of um, very young um, grandkids. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And some um, of them you know being exposed and seeing things, and it's not just with the news they're watching. It it it's um, it's they stated in the in the cartoons that are aired for children. Um, in in um certain music, uh, certain music that certain uh, music for uh young children, it's being played in there. You know, coronavirus, wear your mask. You know, wash your hands this many times. You know, it's it's in the cartoons. It's you know, it's, oh, what are your thoughts on this? And and them and them being exposed to this, whether they're you know. Yeah. Um. One of the things that my my oldest daughter, um, my my grandson. She educates him very, 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 very much on coronavirus. Um, so he's very educated on that. But his encounter with um, racism was um, when school started last year, he came home and he told his mom that um, one of the, the kids, which was a, a little white boy, told him that um, um, his parents were on drugs because they're black. And um, his response was, <clears throat> After he talked to the teacher and the teacher was asking him, you know, are you okay? How do you feel? And he said, I'm okay. He just wasn't raised right. So at the end of the day, as parents, we have to have those conversations with our children. It's unfortunate that you have to sit an eight-year-old down and say, hey, look, this is what happened. This is what what's going on, and you kind of prepare them for the possibility that they may encounter racism because it's not going away. We have race, the people that are racist are raising the racists, and they're raising it, and it keeps going and going and going. So I I feel like you just have to talk to your kids and, and let them know exactly what's going on, and that way they're able to recognize when they're being treated unfairly. When they're when things are being said to them, um, and they don't take it as a joke, you know, make sure you bring them attention to if you're at school, your teacher. So, um, an ending. My one of my youngest grandson, who happens to be mixed, his mom is mixed, um, black and white. His grandmother is white, and he's used to being around his white grandmother all the time. So I had him a couple of weeks ago. And um, we were leaving my oldest daughter's house, and um, there were two ladies walking down the street, 
And he kept saying, hi, hi, and he noticed his window was up, so he rolled his window down. He said, hi, hey, how are you? He's used to speaking to white people because his grandmother's white, so he thought it was okay. But they looked at him, turned the nose up, and kept walking. And he's only four years old. And he said, Grandma, I spoke to them. Why didn't they say hey? So it's like when kids are used to good and then they have to come out in this world and experience the bad, and as grandparents and parents, we just got to keep them informed, even at the age of four. You have to have that conversation in some shape or form just to let them know you did nothing wrong, you know. That's on them. They didn't speak. It's okay, you know. Right. And so that they won't feel bad and, and have those feelings of why this person did not speak to me. Of course, he'll learn when he, once he gets older. But it is very evident that racism is here. And I think that, again, we just got to keep our kids informed. And if they're able to understand what's going on, keep feeding them that knowledge so that they won't, they won't overlook the racism that's happening in this world. It's, it's sad. Right. Right. Mr. Holmes? Yes. Can I have your input on that, please? Well, yeah. Um, well, I grew up in, in foster care. I was um, in foster care since I was five years old. Wasn't adopted until I was 12. And so well, some of the um, things I had to deal with as a young child um, kind of kind of position you to to understand a little better um, the the injustice part or being treated differently, whether you know you are um, bullied, whether you are ostracized, um, whether you are you know uh, child abused or what have you. Um, but you know the way I talk to my kids is I number number one I do. The first thing I do is let them have their voice. Um, let them vent to me. Let them talk, you know, unrestricted, whatever they want to say. Just explain to me how you're feeling. Because um, I have a, 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 a son um, that's 24 years old, and I have a daughter that's 16, and I have um, three grandkids. Um, and so in talking to them and allowing them to, to, to speak, um, my daughter, you know, is taking it a little, you know, harder than, you know, my son is. However, I think me, number one, allowing her to have her voice and to be expressive to me is very important. Um, because, again, you know, we are faced with, just like we're faced with the coronavirus that we've never, you know, expected or, or knew was coming, um, this is something that we did not, um, you know, look for. Um, in our society on this magnitude. Um, this is new to our generation. Yes, there's opportunities, but however, it was sparked by, you know, a, a bit a bit of violence that we, you know, wasn't prepared to see, I think. Um, and so well, then, then the next thing is, after I let them have their voice, I also help them channel um, the right way or the best way to to allow that voice to take root, to take feet. How do what do you do with the power of your voice? Um, how do you you know um, be the change that you want to see? How do you get involved now that you see how real this is? 
what can you bring to the table? What can you do as a person to contribute to the positive change that you know should happen? So if you say that this is wrong, what can we do to make it right? What can we collectively do? What can we partner with, you know, what's happening um, in our movement to make sure that this, that your kids don't grow up in this environment or my grandkids don't grow up in this environment? Right. Um, if, Chris, you still there? I'm ready. With you. Yeah. Okay. As an educator, man, and um, – uh, for I mean, we now so with, since this whole pandemic has happened, we uh, parents have had to educate their kids and in, uh, in their homes. For those uh, kids who are at home with parents who don't have the educational skills, uh, who are just, who are just on the same level as being educated as their child, who can only read but on a first grade level. Um, what are your thoughts on that, man? I I, I came across a few parents who listen. I don't know this. Um, I didn't, I you know, I didn't have much education, you know, so I sent my child to school every single day. And now the fact that they're not in school, and and it's up to the parents who are who being emailed loads of work, um, classroom work to be completed by this day, that they who have no help. What are you? What are your thoughts on that, man? And 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 how? And and and, and, and I'm sure it has some effect on the the young kids. Who can't get the education they deserve because they're not in school, and as my understanding, they're going to be passed on to an upper grade, but have really very little education about the, the previous grade that they were in. What, we're speaking solely towards the, the current state of education and the curriculum at hand, right? We're not talking about mm-hmm. the social um, I mean, it's an unfortunate situation. Um, we're doing our best to try to remedy a wildly, well, circumstantially unforeseen occurrence. And while it's very difficult for parents to help, just being responsive to the teacher, um, if they're a good teacher, of course, goes a long way with regards to making sure that, you know, the work is adhered to. But I, I think I just need to speak towards um, this that I, this issue that I have with my students as well, and it's like I'm, I told you straight up, I'm gonna keep it all the way real with y'all. I have no desire to talk about an ecosystem right now unless it's the current ecosystem we're living in. And at that point, everybody tuned in. Nobody tuned out anymore. They want to talk about what's now. And if you are a a meaningful educator, you're gonna take this opportunity in history to live this opportunity in history and educate about what's happening now because you're not going to need a critical lens essay come July or August or September when it's time to graduate high school because all the seniors got a free pass or it's time to graduate college because most of them got a free pass if they weren't able to get through the online learning portion. So this is a time where a lot of people got an opportunity. Like the coronavirus gave everyone an opportunity to fix a lot of things. It is a blessing in disguise for many. Okay. And as a result of that, we need to, it is, it is in your best interest to let the kids express themselves about how they're feeling about what's going on and then using this moment in time as a teachable moment to streamline other aspects of education. Reading is not just reading Uncle Tom's Cabin. 
you know, literacy is not just reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. It's understanding why things are the way they are now and expressing yourself in a way that is intelligent and it shows that you understand why things are the way they are. That's the definition of learning, expressing that you understand why things are the way they are and being able to solve similar problems based on how you learn to solve these problems. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to know how to read to be a wise person. My mom doesn't even have a sixth grade education, but my mom was able to teach me how to be a critical thinker and a problem solver. You understand what I'm saying? So if you're a parent with just a first grade reading level, how bad do you want your child to exceed the expectations people had of you? Right. You know what I'm saying? How bad are you going to put your child in a position to be better than you? Even if you can't do X, Y, or Z, can you put them in a position to learn to do X, Y, and Z? You understand what I'm saying? That's what my mom did for me. So when it comes down to the curriculum, understand that this curriculum is just a, it's a method of making money. Your job as a parent is to take every opportunity to get your kid to talk to you, to express themselves, to tell you their problems so that they can learn how to solve their problems. Because then that translates in the classroom, and then it translates into real life, and then it translates to their mental health because they've learned as a child to express themselves and solve the problems that they discovered through their expression. Right. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to turn to this for one second. Um, so we've been in um, the COVID-19 pandemic for about maybe three to four months now. So we've um, – for those who are, have been married are those who are engaged. And um, some of us, uh, most of the time, who are married, engaged, or in a serious relationship, most of us who have jobs, we rarely see each other. If we come home, we're in the bed, we go home, we, we, maybe a few minutes, and then we leave. But now that we're home, also we really get to really got to know one another. And uh, we say, oh, this is who I've been married to all this time? This is who you really are? So I, I, I've seen a lot of uh, – I've heard a lot of people, oh, I want a divorce. I can't believe I married you. I can't believe I, – I can't even believe this. I really proposed to you. I can't believe I was fed up with you all this time. So um, uh, if anyone could just – anyone can jump in and give their thoughts on that. And I mean, Listen. hey, look. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 please, please. I think all of us wanted to jump in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we was ready. Okay, okay. <laughs> we about to let each other have it. <laughs> listen, listen. Yeah, I know, right? So listen, if Rona can come in and shake your world, you know, and you've been married, come on now. It wasn't glued already because that makes no sense. Now, this opp- this Rona. opportunity of coronavirus, and it definitely has been an opportunity um, for a lot of people that if they have taken advantage of the the massive amount of time that they had on their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I I um I testified. We was doing Bible study. <clears throat> excuse me, about a week ago, and I said, "Hey, this this been like the best time of my life. No lie, mm-hmm. no lie, because it has given me that opportunity to sit back and look at all the things that I've been procrastinating on, and mm-hmm. it's given me the opportunity to go ahead and you need to do something. So I said that if people don't come out of coronavirus with something new. Something brand new, something's wrong. But coronavirus can't shake up a good, can't shake up a marriage. I'm gonna tell you that right now. If if anybody have allowed it to come in and you know and split it down the middle, I mean something was already wrong. It doesn't take a virus to do that. 
Say amen to that. Say right. amen. I, yeah. I, I am, um, you know, if I may chime in just really year of being married and, you know, my husband is a paramedic with the, um, with the New York City Fire Department. So we have, I'm a full-time entrepreneur and a mommy. Um, so I agree um, about and a reawakening of our love for each other and for our family as a whole. Um, I think, um, you know, for us, it's been time together because prior to the virus, you know, I was traveling, you know, and meeting with clients. So, you know, we were always on and off schedule, but because, you know, I had a chance to, you know, to really sit down and have, you know, this time where I can really revive and rethink how I want to be a wife, how I want to show up during this, this pandemic, during this whole entire, you know, shift in the world has made it a little bit more spicier for us. Um, we have a lot more, you know, when he is home, we have a lot more time where we can spend quality adult time and just, you know, the you know, okay, we got to get, you know, lunch or dinner or, you know, the fly-by-night that we've been doing. So I think that this has, this has been, um, you know, added a little bit more fire um, to our relationship. And I, and I definitely agree, if you were going into, you know, this relationship, I'm sorry, this pandemic, and you are, you know, figuring now it's time for a divorce, then you probably shouldn't have been with that person from the begin with. Hey man, that's 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 real right there. That's that's why I'm that's why I take my time out here on these streets, you know. Cause the last thing you want to do is actually get to know somebody and don't like them, you know. <laughs> like but you still, you one still, of, one of, one you of still the may not that, like your partner, but you'll love them forever. There you go. One, one of the things that, 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 that one of the things that stuck out to me. Um, during this time is that it really gave me a chance to be with me. Mm. It gave me a chance to to really to really sit down and just reevaluate what's important to me. Because I, I was reading a book and it, and it asked me, um, what what means everything to you when you're dead? Because if you're going to wait till you die for things to matter to you, then it needs to it needs to matter to you while you're alive. You know, what are, what are people saying about you? Who do people think you are? Who, who are you to yourself? Because if you're not a loving husband, if you're not a dedicated friend, a loyal friend, um, and that's what you want people to say you were when, when you're dead and they're talking at your funeral, they should be able to have those same type of conversations when you're alive. You know, that my, my father was a great father. He was there. Well, are you there now? And so one of the things that I, I was able to do is just re, realign myself. And I actually started this process last year, um, and I, I, I thank God I'm very fortunate of the work I do. It, it's more digital um, than brick and mortar. And so, you know, I, we wasn't affected as much as everyone was um, with the COVID. But, you know, it, it allowed me to readjust. Um, myself so that, you know, when um, the young lady said first, we should not come out of this situation the same way we went in. So we should take that time and really focus on 
repositioning ourselves economically, repositioning ourselves educationally. You know, I, I took I took time and I've gotten some certifications. I've put some plans in place, and and, and my whole thing is we have to position ourselves to be on top. Right. We have to be position ourselves to be on top and never go back. Put things in place in your life that's going to cause you to push you forward, that's going to cause you to go forward into your destiny, cause you to go forward and, 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 and position you to leave legacy. Because that's what it's about now. Because, you know, yes, a lot of people are dying, but what are they dying with? What are they dying leaving behind? How are, how are they positioning their families? Are they, are they putting their families in deeper debt, or are they liberating their families? You know, what are, what are we doing for for our next generation so they don't have to do have the struggles that we had. I guess ain't nobody gonna challenge that, huh? <laughs> I'm saying it. <laughs> we agree. That was good stuff. <laughs> right. That's Mr. Hall. That's Silence is concurrent. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's, it's so serious because you know you live life so long, and you and, and and us as a people, we're always trying to figure out what can we do to get ahead. How can we do this? How can we do that? And sometimes it, it does it does not it does not make sense to try to take the short road. Um, one of the things that I talk about, I, I just released a book in, in May, um, May 4th, um, called Unidentified. And one of the things when I was writing the book, um, because I, I, I think I've lived my entire life full of potential. You know, everybody will always say, man, you're going to be somebody. Man, you're going to be so, so, so wonderful. I was, I was the best dressed in high school and, and the, the most talented in high school. And, and, and so I, I lived my life being full of potential. But at one, one day I woke up and I was sick and tired of being potential. So what am I going to do to, in order to stop being potential and be reality? How, what do I need to do to, 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 to turn my, my potential into reality? And one of the things that I had to do is I had to stop. I had to stop doing everything I was doing and concentrate on what that potential was and focus on it. Focus on that potential and grind it out. Identify myself. And and, and sometimes once you start looking at yourself, you're not going to like it. You're not going to like who you you are. You're not going to like how you think. You're not going to like what you have. But if you don't if you don't take the time to focus on that, if you don't take the time to focus on you, what can you be to society? What can you be to your family? What can you be to your community? You can be nothing but what you always are. And if you never do anything different, you're never gonna have anything different. That's true. Right. Right. This is the moment for that. Right. Mr. Holmes, if I could, uh, and anyone else that uh, would like to, um, we are, I mean, uh, us as, uh, I use the term black people and um, uh, minorities, um, as, as we're labeled as, um, a lot of us um, are don't like to support one another. And uh, for, I'm going to give an example. Um, oh, uh, uh, if, Anita, if I can use you for a second. Oh, Anita, uh, we grew up together, and she um, she now lives in Brownsville, and she thinks she's all of that. She thinks she's better. She don't call me no more. She don't hang out with me no more. Uh, why can't it be, oh, uh, um, congratulations to her. You know, maybe she's busy. She's in a different life now. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Hello? Can y'all yeah. hear me? 
Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Um, I think that's a false narrative that we have been programmed to continue to perpetuate because mm-hmm. there there are many of us that would prefer to support one another, and we do that. Right. However, there are right. some of us, as are with all cultures, who would rather not extend the support for whatever reason. Maybe they just they're not proud. Maybe there was a traumatic instance. Maybe something happened. Whatever the case may be, there are some of us who just don't see that as something necessary to support the people of your culture, even if it's just a good morning, black man, or a good afternoon, sister, how are you today? Even if it's just one of those. And I think that we spend so much time talking about how come we don't support one another like these people support one another, that that becomes so present and so spoken about, we look for reasons why people do that and constantly perpetuate it, as opposed to saying, you know, I, I love the way they got 116th Street set up, all them African shops working together in one place, and they making sure they circulate that money. I think that's dope. We should try to set something like that up here. How about White Plains Road? They got, like, the whole Jamaican community up in one neighborhood and everybody support. Like, these are positive illustrations of black people supporting black people, but we don't talk about that. And I think right. it's sad because we always talk about those who don't support their own communities. And we don't care about right. those people because they don't, they're not in our community because they're not supporting it. Right. You know, I think uh, it, it, we require, uh, we, like, like, like our, our guest said, we, self-examination is crucial to your growth, but it's hard to look at yourself and say, why am I this way? It's, it's ugly. You know, I do stand-up, and I hate watching my videos back or listening to my recordings back. It's cringy because what you hear is different from what I hear. I hear what, wow. what, what I truly am, not what I wow. think I am. And when you see, you know, I look on screen and go, that wasn't as funny as, I, as it sounded when I said it on stage. Now I'm like, okay, we got to cut that one out. We can't use that one. Yeah, I just got exposed to a very ugly truth, and it hurt, but now I know I have to modify that portion of the set to make it work so that the entire set is feasible, it's, it's streamlined and it's functional. You know what I'm saying? And when we as adults fail to examine ourselves and to see where our failures are, it trickles down to everyone around us because we infect people with that untreated ailment. You feel me? And when mm-hmm. you infect people with that untreated ailment, you just keep spreading it and spreading it and spreading it until it becomes an idea. Why black people don't support other black people? No, we do. You just keep spreading this, this disease that a few people have. Stop spreading this disease, and it will stop. It, it won't be a thing anymore. Right. But it starts with wow. information. If I could... If I could use myself for an example, um, I've been in, um, I'm going to congratulate myself, um, and um, I say within maybe about 45 days, um, I will be, will be, I think it's, uh, Alicia, I think it's 15 years that uh, I will be celebrating doing uh, radio uh, and journalism, um, but, and uh, trust me, I've been nominated for several podcast awards and People that I know that you know have been shorter times of things you know they've won, but not one month, not at one time that I go and say, oh, you, I should have gotten that award. It just make me motivated and work harder. So uh, I just got the news the other day that I'm going to be receiving. Uh, it's going to be a virtual ceremony because of the pandemic, but I'm going to be receiving the Hal Jackson Award. 
So I was really excited, and I felt like, oh, okay, you know. So, and we, I, we sent in, we submitted me for the past five years, and we've got no, 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 maybe next time. So those no, after all those no's, I got a yes. So it motivated me to, you know, hey, you know, you know, you lose, you lose, but it motivated me to keep moving forward. So um, I say that to say, you know, whether without all, all that's going on, it just motivated me to keep being more successful. And to use my platform in a proper way. And um, I want to get another topic before, you know, I'm not going to keep you guys forever. But um, what I don't use my platform for is to support people that go out and uh, start trouble. And I use this example. So the fact that we got the George Floyd situation going on, or Sharp Books uh, matter going on. So I'm an individual. I go out. Oh, I hate you. I see the car. I hate you guys. Oh, you guys should die. And I start kicking on the cop car. I throw bottles at the cop car. And then when something happens, it goes, oh, Tim, I need you. I need to come in and show. I need you to help me with this. But yet you went out and you started that fight. Use my platform to help those type of incidents. Uh, so, Mr. Hall, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that we have to um, definitely use our platform to promote um, positive change. Um, that's number one. And I think that, you know, you have done a wonderful job, you know, you. gathering, you know, people on the platform. And we thank you, you know, for this opportunity um, to share with your audience. Um, but the, the thing that we have to be careful with is our platform, with the platform we have power. Um, so we have to make sure that we are responsible. Um, you know, I've I've done marketing. I um, I'm writing books right now, and um, we're 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 putting things out in in the public domain. Um, but I have a responsibility to make sure that I empower people not not to to, to do things that's not going to um, push them to purpose. But I empower people to be who they are successfully. Um, and it's about, you know, using our platform, using our tools to, to accomplish what our personal mission is. Everyone that's on this call um, right now, all the panelists, um, we, we are aided. We, we are embedded with, with a purpose. Uh, with, the, with the reason that we wake up and do what we do every single day, um, that, that thing that motivates us to, to wake up again tomorrow and do the same thing and give it, give it like all that we have. And this is what our platforms are, the responsibility that we have on our platforms that we have is to use that as a vehicle to promote the message, to promote, to, to live in our purpose. Um, and I think that, you know, everyone that's on this platform is doing that. Um, and and um, I've, you know, researched some of, some of the people, and I, I'm just excited about the things that you guys are doing. And I'm going to, you know, employ even the people that's listening to find your voice, you know, um, identify, find your identity, you know, um, find out what it is that, that, that you would do and that will make you who you are and allow you to accomplish everything that you are set out to accomplish in your life. And do it. Right. Do it. Use, right. these, use these moments. Use this as motivation. Just like you said, um, um, Tim, just like you said, use this as motivation to be the change. Right. You've been thinking right. about doing something. You've been thinking about becoming this or going to school or getting an education or, you know, getting that promotion. Do it. Do right. it. Start that business. Right. 
You right. Know, do right. If I could ask uh, all of, all of you all that are on the line um, to give your input on this, and uh, uh, Alicia as a, a, a mental health professional, um, I came across a few individuals who are uh, parents and um, now in themselves from um, suffering from mental uh, health. Uh, issues regarding the pandemic, this whole, uh, you know, police issues going on. Um, the thing about it that struck me the, the most is that these kids that the psychiatrists are um, a four-year-old, let's put them on, on medication. Um, and these are these are uh, high, powerful medications that uh, controls a four-year-old's movement. They're stuck in one spot for a number of hours. I totally disagree with you having to medicate a, a four-year-old with a Ritalin um, and, and using high dosage, you know, four times a day, let give this child a pill. I, 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 I'm, I, I'm totally uh, against that. Like, this is a four-year-old, a, a small child, a toddler, a baby, that you saying let's medicate this child, you know, along with the parents. So, you know, uh, what, are, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, I can tell you this right here. I lost my last job dealing with a doctor that wanted to medicate a three-and-a-half-year-old child. Um, we had um, um, a client called, and she said she was having some issues with her three-and-a-half-year-old. She already had um, another child in the service. And um, nine times out of ten, that three-and-a-half-year-old is just active. They're doing what three-and-a-half-year-old should do, supposed to do. They're finding right. their thought process. So at the end of the day, I don't think mental health should go into play with a three-and-a-half-year-old because right. they're finding their thought process. And right. um, I confronted the doctor, and, and I told her, I said, hey, you, you're, you're, you're double-dosing. You know, the prescriptions mm-hmm. were double-dosed. As an alarming right. it was, the, the, um, the pharmacy called to the office and wanted to know what was going on. And um, you have a lot of psychiatrists that are using um, medication um, on top of medication as a booster Mm -hmm. to help that medication. And it's just going to put that that three- to four-year-old in a a trance. Now, Mm -hmm. um, you cannot properly diagnose a three- to four-year-old. You just can't. You can't properly diagnose them and medicate them on top of that. Be a freaking parent. Discipline your child, take care of them, and know that they're just being children. So I don't, again, I lost my last job over that, and I stand on it. I don't care. It's all good. (laughs) I found another one. But what you're not going to do is at the end of the day, when you're already servicing those children that have those mental health disabilities, you're going to do something that's going to enhance that mental health disability. You're supposed to be helping them, aiding them. And um, it just, sometimes it's just, it's just sad. Right, uh, Anita, you there? Give your as a as a mother of a small child. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm not doing it. Um, I I agree. Um, you know, you know, being a parent is one of the you know I feel is just one of the greatest blessings that I have had you know thus far on my journey. Um, and I just think that it is our responsibility, my responsibility, um, to ensure that we provide the best options. Uh, medicating is not, um, 
I, I believe that it doesn't resolve, um, you know, whatever behavioral issues or um, uh, things that may be happening um, at that child for that time. Um, you know, I think about, you know, all that has been happening, you know, as it relates to um, this virus and, you know, how, um, you know, in reading um, some of the things that they say that we should be taking, um, you know, to try to minimize our exposure to this virus as it is in present. Um, you know, some of the basic things that I do is make sure that, um, you know, taking care of our health, um, taking care of our, what we intake in our body, and that goes towards, you know, what we are, um, you know, feeding our children as well. All of that, I believe, has an impact on our behavior. So one of the things that I know for sure um, is that to minimize as an adult the type of sugar um, that goes into my body because it can cause mood swings, right? I didn't recognize that until, you know, I started realizing that after I ate and pumped my system with a lot of sugar that I'm not the best person to be around. So if it has an impact on me as a mature adult, imagine what it has um, as an impact on a toddler. So thinking about, you know, what we intake in our body. No, I'm not a person who, you know, pumps our system with, um, you know, medication unless it's like absolutely necessary. Um, I like to focus on um, more of a holistic approach making sure that I understand the importance of, you know, being hydrated with water, making sure that we minimize some of the sugar um, that can definitely have an impact and also the processed foods as well. So I am not um, for medicating children, um, you know, especially if we have not managed, um, you know, our portion of what we're supposed to be doing behaviorally with our children, um, you know, I'm not a medical expert, so I, you know, will definitely not say that, you know, children, you know, have issues from the beginning. I, I can't say that, but I definitely know what my responsibility is as a mom um, to make sure that we are not, um, you know, uh, providing drugs and giving drugs in any form format unless it's, like, absolutely needed and necessary. Right. Uh, Chris, Chris, you there? Uh, what are your Here. thoughts on that, man? As an educator, man, and, and working uh, with kids of, of different ages, man, what are your thoughts on that, man? Don't be um, uh, um, uh, given uh, high uh, levels of, of different medications that uh, that are given to adults, man. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I take uh I take twenty milligrams of Adderall as prescribed by my doctor, and mm-hmm. I could not imagine a toddler on that kind of medication at all. It's completely mm-hmm. unnatural to a child's development. It literally mm-hmm. suppresses many forms of expression before they've even right. learned to discover what those forms of expression are. Um, right. I I read an article six years ago. Uh, found it online. It was a scholarly journal. It was published by uh, a black man, and it talked about psychoactive, um, psychotropic drugs being used to control the direction or trajectory of certain black neighborhoods. 
And what they were mm-hmm. doing was they were prescribing these kids. They were misdiagnosing a bunch of kids in these urban black and brown neighborhoods and prescribing them with drugs that would literally suppress their expression and then experimenting to see how it would turn out years later. And as you can see, it developed lots of mental health issues, as we currently see today, which go unaddressed because there's no funding for that. Um, However, I, I believe that medication has no place in a child's life unless it's a terminal illness or something that can be diagnosed well beyond the, 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 uh, the threshold of development for any given age where a particular disease is supposed to manifest itself. So, you know, if right. a kid is four years old and he's not speaking, that needs to be investigated, not with medication, but we need a full right. evaluation. And if medication right. is a necessary option, then that's discussed with the parent who should be thoroughly educated on the effects of this medication and whether or not they want to follow through. Right. You don't just say this is the best case for your kid. If you don't do it, it's not going to be good for them because then you put fear in them, and when people operate out of fear, their decisions are irrational. The homes? Yes. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I think, you know, I agree with what everybody else is saying. You have to make sure that um, we, 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 we operate in the best interest of our kids. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I had to face is that same thing, you know, with um, the school system, you know, trying to um, diagnose, you know, uh, my child with, you know, certain dysfunctions. And my whole thing was, you know, Lord forgive me, but I had the remedy at home. <laughs> um, and I think that if we, you know, um, teach our kids how to respond to, to, to life um, and don't shelter them too much, um, I think we'll be in a good position. Amen. Amen. That is absolutely right. So um, I say this, um, working in um, – well, besides doing radio, I am a, a, a nurse. Um, I was working day in and day out um, with the COVID-19 team in the hospitals, and um, I saw so many people pass away. And, I, and so they may have came in for uh, knee pain, but, oh, uh, that's a sign of uh, coronavirus, um, and we're going to treat you. And so maybe even maybe not even a whole six hours went past, this, I'm like, and I come back the next day, like, oh, this person's on a ventilator. I'm like, a ventilator for what? For leg pain? Like, no, like he had uh, coronavirus. I'm like, really? So it's like, um, it's like these other individuals, like, everything that they came in the hospital for, it may it may not have been related to corona, but it was going to be corona-related that they came in the hospital that day. So, I mean, it had me telling people that I know personally, listen, I work in the hospital every day. And if you don't have to come, if you can deal with your symptoms at home, take some home remedies or something, don't go to the hospital. 90% of the people that I've seen, and this is the true statement that I've seen that go on these ventilators, they do not come out. They end up transitioning. You know what I'm saying? And um, I, my, my, my father, who, uh, who had COVID-19, um, he almost lost his life, but he did his at home. And my dad, I'm going to tell you, it's the true story. He used a mask, and he breathed in the germs that he was breathing out. And he uh, put, oh, my God, two blankets on himself and sweated it out. 
and he drunk the water. He watered his plant. My dad has like plants, different. And he drunk the plant water, and maybe in about a week and a half, he was walking around again. He was eating, and he healed himself. So and so and and he made he took thorough food. So if in fact if you can take the home remedies and to cure this, why can't so why does everyone have to go to the hospital just if they get a cough or you know and end up and end up dead? I mean it's it's pointless to me. What, can I can uh, I speak to what, that? Sure, sure. I, I want to finish your thought. I just want I just want to let you. I want to speak to that. Go ahead. Go ahead. So. I did a video, I did a gag video on my Instagram a couple of weeks, uh, months ago when the coronavirus, in March actually, when the coronavirus jumped off. And mm-hmm. I, I dressed up in like this really militant shirt with a black tan and some sunglasses. And I was impersonating a really militant um, Umar Johnson, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things I mentioned, and I said it as a joke, but I sincerely mean this, is that there are so many different reactions to the coronavirus. Like mm-hmm. the re- the coronavirus that comes from China does not yield the same reaction as the coronavirus we've seen in people that are coming from Europe, right? Mm-hmm. So right. we come to the America, we come to the United States, and we see that there are people who are old. We say, "Oh, these old people compromised immune systems. They're sick. It's going to attack them because they're weak." Then we see people who are young and and seemingly healthy. Wow, this guy seemed like there was nothing wrong with him. I don't understand how he could just catch the virus and die. And that's when it hit me, and I, compl- I said to myself, I said, this seems like a genetically engineered virus that attacks very specific genetic markers, which is why right. you get different reactions among different people of all ages and all, age, um, all ages and health conditions. Then about a week, what is it, a week ago? Actually, this week, um, the NIH posted a study that the, 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 the risk of getting severe cases of COVID-19 can be linked to, you guessed it, genes and blood type, okay? So it, it's not far-fetched that what you're thinking is actually true. Was this something created by the government? Hello, they gave blankets out with smallpox in them on purpose, okay? They've been creating germs for a very long time in order to develop weapons that won't destroy the earth but will destroy people. This is nothing new, all right? And on top of that, when you look at all of the admissions that go into the – not all, many of the admissions that go into the hospital, when it comes to COVID, a lot of the restrictions have been lifted off of of hospitals and insurance companies so that they can quickly process COVID claims. Anyone with a respirator, a ventilator attached to them upon entering a hospital, their insurance company will build out the wazoo. I mean, this is the biggest money grab that anyone has ever done in the history of this country, and nobody is talking about it. Everyone is in fear, locked up in their house, depleting themselves of vitamin D, ruining their immune system, not exercising, eating poorly because they're afraid to go to large supermarkets to get the food they deserve. The farmer's market is closed because it draws crowds, and people are going to sit here and actually continue eating up what the CDC and the federal government is telling them. When you know damn well the people who are living here, the indigenous peoples, were able to heal themselves, uh, 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 fix whatever ailments they had, heal broken limbs, 
using some plants and some herbs and some sea moss and salt water, and you telling me you can't find a cure for cold 2.0? Come on now. It ain't that, it ain't that deep. It's like about understanding that you're being, you're being slapped in the face. They tell you don't wear nothing but the N95 because the N95 is the only thing that can filter the microbes. Then they tell you, you know what, the blue surgical mask is cool. You put that on, that'll help stop the germs from coming out your mouth. Then they say, you know what, just put a rag on your face and go out and do what you need to do. Just put this rag on and make sure it's wet too. Like, come on, man. You, we, and we, we just do it. Like, we, like, like well, okay, right. whatever. Right. Was that Chris? Was that Chris? That sounded like Chris. Yeah, that that was me, sir. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's something. It's something to think about, guys. We, we because here here's the reality. We were shut in our house houses for months. The whole country. The whole country. It crippled the whole world. Now I'm not endorsing it. But is there something to make you go, hmm? Mhm. And that's no coincidence, you know. This could be seen as a, a test run, you know, and 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 to see how people react to a perceived invisible threat. It it was mind boggling that people act like we had a curfew. People were actually rushing home like this was Nazi Germany. Like y'all was chilling up in the Anne Frank suite. Like, y'all was scared y'all was going to get on the wrong train that night. My girl was telling me, don't leave this house. You don't want to get the corona. I said, you do realize. <laughs> I said, you do realize the trees is going to give me all the oxygen I need to be cool out here. Now, I'm, I'm not around nobody. I'll stay away from people, but you're not going to destroy my mental health by keeping me locked in this house. Right. And the thing about it is this. Here's the thing. They had curfews all around but to prevent the spread. But if you were a central worker, you were able to go out for what purposes. But those essential workers were spreading just as well as they were spreading. They didn't know they had it. They were spreading it to their patients. You know how many uh, medical professionals we lost? to COVID-19, uh, supposedly to COVID-19, you know, so, I mean, you're not, go ahead, hello. No, I don't think anybody said anything. <laughs> so, I mean, I think the, I think the whole entire um thing was, I, I just, it did not prevent anything, in my opinion, um, but according to these uh, uh, scientists that Based on that, we were all in um, house, and we, we, it was less activity outside. That the air was cleaner, there was less pollution. So I mean, I, it's it's just all BS to me, basically. And here's another here's another thing: we're we're allowed to wear masks in the stores, the banks, of all places. So I, I mean, this is a, this is a real incident. So I went into the bank, you know, to um, deposit some money in the bank. So, you know, I had a mask on. Only thing you see was my eyes. You know, everything else was covered. So the lady, the, uh, so she says, oh, can you give me your ID? So I give my ID. And then, so she said, okay, it's you. So I told you, it's me? So she, she said, um, yeah, she said, it's you. I said, how do you know it's me? She said, I can tell by your eyes. I saw by my eyes. I said, oh, okay. I mean, so I'm wrapped up. You need to tell me I'm wrapped up. Everything's wrapped up. You see my eyes. 
you know that's me on the ID. I, I just it just it was just crazy to me. Has that uh, can anybody, has that happened to anyone else that has went into a place where they have the user ID and they just say, okay, we know this is you. Hello. No, I can't. I can't say I have. Because <laughs> you, I need you to. I need you to make sure it's me. I'm taking that mask off. You better step back six feet because you're gonna see me. <laughs> like, oh, oh no, no, can't, can't do that. Because one one of the things I do want to go on record saying is, I just want to take a second and um and thank every single one of the frontline workers all across this country um, that I want to thank every single one of the frontline workers that are on this call that's around this country for your commitment um, to helping us get through this pandemic, uh, whether you provided a solution or not, you, you, you were there, and you showed up every day, um, and we, we all want to say thank you. Thank you for that. Um, you did not have to go back to work the next day, but you did. Um, and it takes a lot of courage, it takes a lot of perseverance, and it takes a lot of heart and dedication. And so we all appreciate every single thing that you have done and uh, and are doing. Thank you, thank you so so much. So, uh, Miss Mr. Holmes. Yes. So if I could get, get your input, man. Um. So basically, we got all this going on, man. What would you? How do you think we can see change? Um, I, I think I think change starts with us. Um, one 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 and, and dealing with the the, the protests, um, dealing with the pandemic. Um, I, I think that you know it, it starts with us. We have to at some point in our lives take a pause and do a real evaluation of us. One of the things that you should not try to do is fool yourself. If you broke, you know you broke. If you don't have the education, you know you don't have education. If you if you are not where you want to be, you know that. Own that. Because you can never be anything different if you don't know who you are right now. You have to have a starting point. Um, and, and from that, spend the time to educate yourself. Spend the time to do the research. Spend the time to, to, to become who you are. And I talk about it, you know, on, 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 on three different levels. You have to prepare yourself for where you want to go. You have to package yourself for where you want to go. And then you present yourself. A lot of times we have people that are trying to do something different and they're presenting them, them, themselves before they're packaged properly. They're packaging themselves before they're properly prepared. Um, and so you have to make sure that you do it in sequence. You prepare yourself, you package yourself, and you present yourself. And I talk about this in, in my book, Unidentified, um, how to unlock the power of your brand, you know, the power of who you are. Um, and, and so it's, it's very key um, to answer your question. I think that you, if you want to be changed, if you want change to happen, you have to do something different, and you have to first be that change that you want to see. Uh, Chris? Yeah. How do you think we can see change, man? I, even though we're 
consistently seeing uh, uh, blacks being murdered, blacks being hung, shot, killed, stabbed. What? What do you? How do you think? What? How do you think we're going to see change? And what do you think we have to do to see change? Um, I think that we require formal written resolution that we can take to Albany and present and then moving forward present to the federal government and Congress and push for amendments to um, not only state codes but also federal codes that provide protections across the country. I mean, they hear us, and, and now it's time to put it in writing. Um, what do you want? All right, we hear you. What do you want? What are we going to do now? You know, um, the leadership that we had in the 60s and the 50s was crucial and essential because it was a bunch of young, talented, outspoken, and, 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 and authentic black men who were not afraid to die. And in doing so, they staged every ounce of protest that, that, that we saw uh, with, a, um, with a plan devised behind it with demand. We need a plan with demand. Protest is the first step. Now we need to ensure that we have a written outline for what we want. And I wrote one in, in my essay entitled The Seven Steps of Sanctuary. If you'd like to read it, I'll be sure to share the link. Um, uh, Anita, can I have so, your input um, on this? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, you know, so I just very – you know, just wanted to add in um, because I echo all of what was stated in terms of making sure that we um, are aware and educated um, to ensure that we are effectively ourselves, starting with ourselves to make change. Um, because if we're not prepared for, you know, any type of battle um, in terms of like mind, body, and spirit, then we, you know, pretty much won't be able to compete. Um, and play in the sandbox. Um, I also want to just, um, you know, think it's important for, um, you know, those who are parents, um, entrepreneurs to engage, um, you know, a little bit differently um, and not be afraid um, to be able to, you know, ask the right questions, um, you know, ask for support um, where we need and don't know because oftentimes, uh, we may be ashamed to ask for the help and support where we need. Um, and as it relates to, um, you know, the current um, happenings in our communities, that we just make sure that we figure out a way that we can contribute because, you know, everyone may not, you know, want to protest or may not, you know, have the the energy or the spirit to do so. Um, but definitely, you know, understanding what our skill sets are so that we'll be able to add value to the cause in any way, whether we write, whether we have, you know, a variety of different platforms um, to be able to to support collectively, um, you know, moving, you know, our causes forward because it will be a shame, um, you know, for me um, and even as I've had, you know, a variety of conversations that, you know, all of this is happening and we don't have the type of progress that we are looking for because we don't understand and really know what is it that we really want to see going forward. 
Uh, Alicia? Yes. Can I have your thoughts on that topic? Um, I say accountability all the way around. From the trash man to the president of the United States, doesn't matter. Um, not only for, you know, um, um, impact, impact more. Um, everybody's born with a gift, and we, we have to, you know, start spreading it. We have to do more than just impacting ourselves. Um, we have to lend our voices to others. Um, again, as I go to my first statement of the um, of the hour, um, it's, it's all overwhelming. But we have to stay stay praying and stay and stay encouraged to you know what's going on, but also being never forget the awareness that is around you. You know, we all just have to make sure that we're doing our part. You know putting out a hand in and making a difference. Uh, Andre? Andre, yeah, you, there? you know, yeah, I'm here. I, I think that at this time, we all just need to recognize that we are all one. The country is obviously divided, and now is the best time for us to come together. I think the only way we can do that is by having a conversation and we have to be open to speaking with one another and as well as listening to one another. Me being half Latino, I am definitely taking a stand for Black Lives Matter. I have seen systemic racism within the Latino community against Blacks for years for no reason. And I definitely feel like it is my duty to stand up And that is something that I'm going to be doing from here on out. And um, I just pray that when we all are in our 80s and 90s, if we're lucky enough, racism will be a thing of the past. And we are definitely the catalyst for it. And I'm so proud to be a part of it and this conversation. So thank you. Oh, no, no problem, no problem. Um, I'm not going to keep everybody on along. Um, I, I, I really appreciate everybody that um, took the time out to uh, come on the show today and give their thoughts on, you know, um, a social justice, you know, this COVID-19, you know, the police issue that's going on. I think everybody for um, just giving their thoughts on um, this whole thing. Um, if I could uh, go down the line, uh, starting with uh, you, Mr. Holmes, uh, your last thoughts, man, before I let you go, your last thoughts on all this, man, and, you know. Um, like, like, just like Echo and um, Andre, uh, and we, we really just have to take a pause and just, you know, just come together. Just just come together. Uh, we all know what's going on. I think that, you know, we have done an incredible um, job of, of voicing our, our, our voicing our opinions and, and and making our voice heard, and I want to commend everyone that's standing up um, for themselves, standing up for our rights. Um, you know, um, Black Lives does matter. Um, and I think that you know um, that people are seeing that now, um, and I thank you, thank everyone that's 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 you know pushing for the cause, but I also think that. There is a there there is always tomorrow. So what are we going to do tomorrow? 
that's what we have to figure out. We have leaders that stepping up. We have, you know, um, celebrities that stepping up. And I think that, you know, we can really position ourselves to not just be heard, um, but be seen, be and 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 affect change um, using our platforms like like we're doing now. And I thank you for allowing myself to be with such a a diverse, wonderful um, panel. Um, and, and you have some wonderful people here um, on the panel. Uh, Anita, I'm, I'm in New York, and I love the work that you're doing here. Um, and I just want to commend everyone um, for answering this call um, to be on. Um, you, you know Tim is not going to give up. When he say be here, you're going to be here. I appreciate it. <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to leave, but I, I want to commend everyone, um, and you can definitely get in contact with me. I'm online, TL Homes online, um, anywhere, everywhere. Um, just contact me, um, and like I told you before, um, thank you for having me on last week, um, but if anybody hit me up on social media and and put hashtag Timothy Hodge Show, uh, I'm going to give you something for free. If you hit me up on Facebook, on on Twitter, on Instagram, at um, TL Homes Online or TL Homes Online One, or you can hashtag my book, Unidentified or Unidentified No More. Hit me up, put Timothy's hashtag on your comment, and I'm going to submit something to you for free. And thank you all. Um, love you all. Thank you. Black Lives Matter. Take care. Um, before I, before I, um, I, I have a guest that's coming on. He's a little late, but let her be, let her, uh, better late than never. Mr. Carlos Beatty, he's on the line. Uh, he's a, a Grammy award winning, uh, music producer, uh, and singer songwriter as well. Um, his credits include Justin Bieber, Madonna, uh, Chris Brown, the Isley Brothers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Chris, I mean, Carlos, Hello. Yeah, hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Sorry about that. I, my daughter wasn't feeling too well, so I had to put her to bed. My apologies for my tardiness. No problem, man. Um, you missed a great uh, panel, but so, uh, some of the panels are still here, man. And we're just they're just giving their final thoughts on the the uh, the topics that we uh, we talked about today. Um, okay. So. Um, the we spoke about uh, social justice and you know the whole COVID nineteen pandemic, the George Floyd situation, the Jamel Floyd, uh, the individual that yes. was pepper sprayed by the police who died, and the uh, two uh, guys that were hung, um, and I believe in Northern, um California, um, mm-hmm. they gave their thoughts on it. Um, so what are you, what are your thoughts on this whole situation? Well, I mean, I think it's so much to unpack, but I, I think that uh, initially um, what happened to George Floyd um, and the countless many of uh, unarmed African men and women uh, that are dying at the hands of the police, is, it, it's just, it, it's enough, enough is enough. You know, I think we are all, you know, just sitting in the black community, it's, it's, we've seen this too many times. And I think at this point we're coming to a point to where we've uh, we're, 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 we can't turn a blind eye to it. We can't uh, keep hearing from other people saying that this is an isolated incident because it isn't. It is this is something that is a trend that has been happening in this country for far too long. And um, I gotta say that I am pleased that we are trying to make the right steps moving forward to uh, bring about 
uh, police reform um, because it needs it. We we need to be able to um, exercise our right to stand up for ourselves because you know often too many times I question like who's who does the police go to when the police is harming you? You know what I'm saying? There's no one there that can check an officer if an officer is taking it too far. And, um, you know, thank God for uh, camera phones and, you know, things like that to be able to stop these things or at least take, take footage of these things. But, uh, but you know, I, I'm fed up. You know, honestly, I've been racially profiled by the police many times. I've been uh, falsely arrested. I mean, it, I, I get, it's so much stuff that, that I, you know, have been through. And when I saw George Floyd, um, you know, I saw myself. Saw myself and a lot of these victims. Rayshard Brooks is another one. Um, you know, we we at this point there has to be enough is enough, and I think that what you're seeing with the protests are a lot of people that are outraged, and this is time for an uprising. And I think we are seeing today, I believe, what our you know civil rights leaders were hoping was going to happen in the future. Right, right. Uh, Alicia, your your last thoughts. My last thoughts are um, just to kind of piggyback off of what he said. Um, I think what's happening now is everybody is opening their eyes and they're opening their mouth. Um, the conversation has been silenced, you know, for so long or just a pass by, like, okay, they're not doing anything. But I'm, I am happy that um, we are making some noise. And I encourage, you know, everybody that's listening to continue to make the noise at the top of your lungs because at a certain point they're going to get tired and they're going to do something. They're going to do what they should be doing. Um, it's unfortunate that we have lost um, so many lives. And I hope we don't lose anybody tomorrow because I promise you every time I turn the television on, something has happened, whether it's national or local, it has happened, and it's, and it's just Sad of what is going on. What I'm trying to do um, in my community through my nonprofit is to continue to educate and inform everybody um, of what is going on and to be aware. And if you're ever stopped by the police and you don't feel safe, you can always dial 911 and ask for a supervisor or a lieutenant to come to the scene. And you can advise the officer that, hey, I have called for backup. You don't have to do it because it's crazy at some of the videos that I've seen. It's like it's no backup. Sometimes it's no backup. Like nobody else is calling 911. One is because they feel like 911 is already there, but 911 and the people that they send are the problem. So get somebody else out there. You have that right to do that. But I'm hoping and I'm praying that everything starts to turn around and, and everybody that's done wrong is being held accountable, send them to jail, prison, whatever type of um, punishment that they're going to get because they can't keep killing us. They cannot keep right. killing us. Not fair. Right. And I'm just glad that I'm seeing a lot of protesting. I'm seeing a lot of people that are angry as hell. Hey, you got every right. Every right and you to know be what's angry even, as hell. And you, and you know what's even any doper too on top of that? What you said that not only are people showing their anger and these cops are being held accountable, but they're actually being brought what? up on criminal charges, right? Okay, and that's the dope part. You feel me? Like, 
how like, when have we ever seen police officers charged with a crime that involves shooting someone black? Never. <laughs> right? And like now we're finally seeing it. I think that's so amazing. It's like it like it doesn't mean you're gonna be convicted, but now you have the same responsibility as we do. You have to prove that your action was justified as a matter of self defense. No different from anyone else. I think that's right. all we do. Right. I agree. Um, uh, Anita, your last thoughts? Um, last thoughts would be, um, you know, just for, um, you know, to ensure that we are continuing um, the good work that we all are doing. Um, you know, I actually want to just thank you for the opportunity to be able to come on to your show and to support what you are doing Congratulations on your award because I think that it's well-deserved, even though you got many no's before you finally got a yes. So kudos to you you. for continuing to do the work, um, you know, that, you know, and doing your part in allowing voices to be heard. Um, You know, secondly, um, I think that, you know, going forward, um, that it is it is my hope and that my prayer that we, you know, continue to have the courage to do the work um, because I think that you know, in life that it we it, it courage um, it requires us to show up, um, you know, and that we are showing up not as imposters but as ourselves. Um, so I want to thank you all for you know allowing me to share my voice. Um, and just, you know, keep pushing because I just think that it's important for consistency um, to be able to, um, you know, put a dent into, you know, what we envision the new world to be. Right. right. Thank you, um, Anita, for um, coming on the show. I really appreciate you so much. Um, Carlos? Yep, I'm here. Back to you for a second, man. Um, you touched bases on man how you were racially profiled, man. Um, you know, um, being falsely arrested, man. Um, and that's especially similar to you know this they pulling um Bashad over and other individuals over, man. Um, if you quickly, man, if you can give your uh, what was your how you felt about when you were in that situation, man. To tell you the truth, I. I I felt helpless, you know. I felt like, uh, you know, that my rights didn't matter, you know. And uh, it it was really, you know, disappointing because, you know, all through school people tell you the cops are, you know, here to help you and here to, you know, know, protect you and all of these things. But what if the people that are designed to protect you actually, you know, are falsely accusing you or trying to hurt you? So, um, you know, for me, I got started as a street performer, as a, uh, you know, a singer. You know, I'm one of the most harmless guys you'll ever meet. And uh, right. to have, you know, my little tip box, you know, singing out in the streets of Savannah, Georgia, and to be forced to leave, you know, because someone said I was selling drugs or they accused me of selling drugs, which was farther from the truth. And to, you know, have to leave, which, you know, was my God-given right to be on, you know, anywhere doing, I wasn't doing anything illegal or anything like that. So to to do that and then to, you know, when I 
tell him and I questioned an officer and officers, why are you arresting me? And then they just put me in handcuffs. You know, it's it's really like, you know, your faith kind of goes away. So, uh, so um, you know, but it was a lesson that I've learned. And, uh, and many lessons after that, you know, through my travels, you know, to even in California and L.A. and being profiled in Los Angeles, I've just, you know, I've realized that, you know, um, I just have to be extremely careful about, you know, just everything that I do. I, you know, when I get pulled over by a police officer, my hands are, you know, I am, I am shaking, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk to my wife on the phone and I'll call her before, I, you know, I even cut off the car. I say, honey, I'm getting pulled over. So it's just, I'm just letting you know. So if anything happens, you know, I called you and let you know what's up, um, you know, and I tell her I love her, like, because it's, you know, it's that scary for me because, you know, who, you know, one day you can get, you know, a cop that's very, you know, argumentative and, 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 and wants to cause harm. So for me, it's, it's scary. It, it was very, uh, like I said, just I had no protection at that point, but um. I, there, there are no words for it, and I think that, uh, you know, I, I, each and every day, I, I really, when I see these killings and I see these murders, it just, I put myself in those positions every single time because it could have been me, it could have been any of my friends, it could have been my brothers, it could have been any, any, any one of us. Right, right, and you can't, and you can't even be a peaceful protester. Because uh, peaceful protesters are getting pepper sprayed, people pe- uh, peaceful protesters are getting ran over by police cruisers, and 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 um, they'll say, oh, uh, we should have moved out the way. You see the cruiser coming, or you should have moved out. You know, so you can't even be a peaceful protester, you know. Um, and then the ones that are doing the opposite are being horrible protesters and busting in stores and those are the ones that nothing's happening to. Not saying you know it should, but. The ones that are peaceful are the ones that are receiving the most damage, or the ones that are being hurt, which is yeah. which is totally sad. Yeah, and to me, I, I think it's just so hypocritical the, the way we've watched kind of things kind of evolve over the, over the several months. You know, for instance, the um, when you had tons of protesters um, that were protesting, uh, you know, about going back to work and you know the stay-at-home orders they didn't want to do. I mean, you see footage of, of you know, uh, white folks getting in police officers' faces. I mean, like, really close. And folks that you can spit in their faces, and they're yelling at them and pointing fingers. And I see these police officers as calm as ever. No pepper bombs, no spray, no mace, no no nothing. No tasers, none of that. But when it when you flip the script, and it's, you know, and it's us that are out here, you know, doing our God-given right to protest, we get met with violence. We get met with, uh, you know, pepper spray and things like that, that, that are, you know, that are, I believe that are trying to mess up the message, you know, and, and I feel bad for people who are out there who with, with good intentions. And then you have people who are out there who want to see things, uh, you know, be destructed and, and, you know, and I think those people don't reflect the many people that are out here for a real cause and for a reason. You know, you, I'm sure you've seen the the burnings and, and, and things like that. And, you know, I think that they, anyone would look for any – these guys, and I mean government, and I mean 
the powers that be will look for any reason to off-put or, or, you know, try to make the conversation uh, not about what it's supposed to be about. And I feel like if you're so upset about the, you know, the looting and the burning, you know, you're not really looking at the main, the main primary issue here. And the primary right. issue here is that people are dying, um, right. uh, 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 you know, being unarmed, you know, it's, 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 right. it's not okay. Right. Well, I, I think, I want to thank all of you guys for um, taking time out your schedules to uh, come in, uh, be a part of this panel and to be on the show. I really appreciate all you guys. Uh, this will not be the last panel. We have to do this again at a later date, but I really appreciate all you guys taking time out of your busy schedules to come on the show. Uh, thank you all so much. Anita, uh, Chris, uh, Andre, thank you, thank Carlos, you. of course, man. You, I, it was thank a privilege. You. I appreciate all you guys, man. And you guys are more than welcome to come back by the show anytime. Um, we're going to do more of this, so please be expecting another phone call from me in the very near future to um, to focus on other topics that are, you know, are going to come about soon within the very near future, man. Again, I love all you guys, man. I wish all you guys the best. And if you ever Likewise. need my platform to help you guys with anything, please just reach out to me directly or to anybody a part of my team, and we will definitely get back to you that day or if not the very next day to uh, set, set something up and to make it happen. And I mean that. Yeah. So, um, again, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you, bro. All right, man. You guys take care, man. Stay safe. Thank you guys so much for listening and tuning into the podcast. I really appreciate you. Love you. Stay up. Stay strong. Peace. Yeah.